1: Oh, well. want to tell you on the down low things we'll go over some of that stuff that i heard that i saw an interesting day so to speak so we'll talk about that here in just a little bit i am currently working on getting my interview with sam king that i had uh, and what he saw and heard uh, uploaded here having slight technical difficulties I did things that I don't think the technology that we have specifically was just the best geared for. But that's okay. Look, uh, we're going to have a good show for you today. We're going to talk about that. There's plenty of stuff going on uh, with local sports. Let's get started with Need to Know News.
0: Here's your Need to Know
1: News. All right, last night, Cubs take Game 1 from St. Louis, 10-3 to that final. Uh, Michaelis thrown out of this one after just 14 pitches. He hit Ian Happ. So was a retaliation to Will's Contreras getting hit. Cubs responded by scoring a run in all but three innings. Tachman, three for four with a homer, two RBIs. Cody Bellinger, still hot. Three for five, run scored. Morrell, three for four game, three runs, two RBIs. My goodness. The dudes are rolling, man. That's six wins in a row. Cubs with the hottest hitting team since the All-Star break. And now we're all sitting around going, uh, maybe these guys aren't such sellers after all. Maybe they're buying. Now Jesse Rogers had a big old write-up today on uh, ESPN.com about all of the Chicago White Sox and Cubs possible trade deadline. Guys, it seems like Stroman is more of a possibility than Bellinger at this point. But that's more of a salary-type thing. I don't don't know. Angels decide they're going to hold on to Atani and try to make a go of it. Do the Cubs try to do the same? Game two tonight. Jordan Montgomery going to be up. But we don't know who's up for the Cubs. That actually has the game off the board right now. At least it was about an hour ago. I don't know if anything has changed in that department in the last hour, but when I looked in on it, it said about an hour ago, it had... Uh, it was still off the board. To the point where I was looking around like, oh, hold on a second, is that game tomorrow? Hmm? Nothing up? I don't know if something... Uh, if something rears its head, I'll let you know. But as of right now, there is uh, nothing up. Am I sure they played today? I thought I could sworn I looked at it. Yeah, they do play today in St. Louis, 8.15. I double-checked, so I'm not going crazy. So it's not on the board. Uh, White Sox back after tonight losing six to three to the Guardians. That's their sixth loss in a row. The Burgermeister, Jake Berger, two homers. That's the highlight. Dylan Cease, five and two thirds, nine hits, four earned, five strikeouts. Game two tonight to St. versus Curry, Cleveland, a minus one forty favorites. I am assuming. I'm assuming that yesterday, because I'm. I, I cannot remember for the life of me when the news broke that Lucas Giolito had been traded as he heads over to the Halos. Reynaldo Lopez going with them, so he has a buddy. Kai Bush and uh, another, just two top guys. In the uh, prospect pool for the uh, Angels heading over. I'm sorry, I didn't write the Edgar uh, Cuero, that was the other guy. So interesting stuff. So Giolito's off the table. Uh, that means perhaps the price for um, Lin's going up a little bit because we talked to you on Wednesday. You know, We said that uh, the Dodgers were interested in Lynn, but they were also interested in Giolito too. So now that option off the table... Uh, you wonder if uh, things haven't changed a little bit there. Colts owner Jim Ursay attempted to walk back comments that he made uh, in response to running backs being underpaid, saying those comments weren't aimed at Jonathan Taylor. Ursay chimed in on Twitter in a response to comments made by Najee Harris, saying that, quote, some agents are selling bad faith. Uh, Ursay tried to clarify those comments to ESPN today, saying they weren't aimed specifically at Taylor. Taylor's agent chimed in on Twitter Uh, When asked about the relationship uh, being mended, said he doubted it. Um, These two have a little bit of a history. Like Taylor's agent has said some things about Ursay in the past as well. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Uh, NFL training camp injuries. Let's go over them. Uh, New Orleans guard Trey Turner, five-time pro bowler, done for the season, torn the quad. He is donezo. Joe Burrow uh, yesterday carted off, said to be just a calf strain, Uh, They're optimistic on him. Jalen Ramsey will have some knee surgery, but should be back for the opener, he says. Big Ten Conference announcing its 2023 preseason All-Big Ten honorees today. Ava Hudson, she's good. Uh, Unanimous All-Big Ten selection, one of three that were unanimously put on the list. Uh, Boilermakers picked to finish fifth in the Big Ten standings. I don't know if Kyle covered this yesterday or not, but Purdue men's basketball will face Arkansas in a charity exhibition game on October the 28th at Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, These will be a couple of top 20 teams. Arkansas coming off a 22-14 and 14 season. They made a sweet 16. Uh, pretty cool. They're gonna, what they're going to do is uh, this isn't a season ticket game. This is one that all the bo- – all the ticket sales are going to go to the United Way to assist in relief efforts from uh, tornadoes that hit last spring. So uh, very cool on that. A good matchup as well. And you can have even a little bit of fun with that too. You'd like to see that. Um, so good on Coach Payton Company. Uh, I love it. There you go. That is today's Need to Know news. All right, full slate of baseball today. And to be honest with you, I didn't get full-blown into this thing today. I was doing all this recovery of missing stuff. Uh, Not being here yesterday. Gosman's on the mound. I mean, I noticed that. And that dude is uh, It's at 7.5 against the Angels. I like him over 7.5 today. That dude may hit triple digits, uh, double digits. That is a uh, ladder guy for sure today. Uh, Braxton Garrett should probably be on your list today as well. I'm kind of shooting from the hip here. Zach Wheeler over six and a half strikeouts against the Pirates. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why not? A lot of good pitchers on the mound today. G. Lito is going to get the start for the Angels. So that should be interesting. Scherzer's up today. Garrett Cole's up today. McClanahan's up today. Yeah, I think we got a lot of... Got a lot of good ones up here today. I don't know. Scores might be down. Uh, full slate, um, and I don't know that I have any great matchups today that I absolutely love. Scrolling through, um, I can't take Detroit to upset Miami. Oh, well, that's a close one right there. Um, let's see here, what else? I mean, it's hard to take Gialito. With the Angels, I think Gosman's going to do a great job mowing them down today. Gore versus Scherzer. Well, that seems really out of tilt, but at least the Mets are at home. That's the thing that kills me. Um, White Sox, Guardians, that... I'm probably leaning more towards Guardians on that one. Uh, Hauser... And the Brewers versus the Braves seems about right. Um, Minnesota's taking on Kansas City in Kansas City where they can be deceptively good. Um, That's not bad at plus 145 if you're looking for an upset today, Kansas City. I don't want to mess with Tampa Bay and Houston. We don't have the lineup for Chicago and St. Louis. J.P. Sears up for the Athletics. Oh, gosh, you finally get somebody in Colorado. Kyle Freeland's up, and I can deal with the Athletics. Can't even touch that. Yikes. A lot of coin flip games here. Vegas has basically got a lot of this stuff on lock today. Holy smokes are the Reds' underdogs. Plus 194. Ugh. Man, I'm sorry. I I wish I had a little more time to jump into it. Nothing jumps out at me at this point here. But I'm sure there's a couple of very good matches up here, too. Luis Robert today. On home run watch. Is he really good against Curry? He must have some great numbers against Curry today. But anyway, um, those are just a couple of the recommendations I had going through here. I'll work harder here, I promise. I'll work harder next time. All right, uh, hang tight. We're going to come back here. I had a chance to sit down with Sam King, who's also at Media Day. Uh, all of us kind of got some different pieces and we're in different areas and all that stuff. So um, you know, I talked to a bunch of people yesterday. Let, let's We'll run my talk with Sam King when we come back. This is the Hammer Down Show on 1017. The Hammer on 1017. All right, it is 1017 The Hammer, 1017TheHammer.com. Jared Jesselott is live down here at Big Ten Media Day. Sam King of the Journal and Courier joining me here. We've just gotten done about halfway through the coaches right now. Matt Rule on the stage uh, doing his thing. But we just got done with uh, Coach Ryan Walters, who, by the way, Sam, had the ultimate lead-in in P.J. Fleck. Um, everything from dismissing those rumors about a toxic culture to uh, no poison in the weight room. That's the Those are the big takeaways for P.J. Fleck. I don't know if you got anything else out of it.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's, I, there are three coaches, especially after the, the report on uh, Minnesota yesterday, uh, that I really wanted, was interested to see how this went. One was Northwestern, one uh, Michigan, obviously, with Harbaugh and the recruiting violations, and then, obviously, P.J. Fleck now with the uh, the Fleck Bank news coming out. And, the uh, you know, it was, I thought it was kind of funny when somebody asked how he was doing today, and he said, I'm elite, which was apparently the standard response that you give if you're a Minnesota football player.
1: Yeah, so he's definitely, he's in on it here. We got that. But, you know, uh, Coach Ryan Walds, we had a couple of chances. We had a little gaggle early on, talked to him. And then, uh, of course, the, uh, the big thing up here. The one thing that I kind of noticed is, he seems very guarded about information, um, and, and probably so here, too. I mean, best chance to get some wins early on here, not putting out any kind of extra information to help your opponents. I mean, it's it's every little thing, but it didn't feel like it was secrecy for just because I'm paranoid. It seemed like a secrecy of, like, hey, listen, we're going to take every advantage we can get right now.
0: Yeah, and uh, if you watched them through the spring, uh, Purdue – had some question marks, with, you know, with injuries and things like that. Um, the media was kind of really shut off from those practices for the most part, so you didn't know what was going on a whole lot. You were at the mercy of of what uh, the coordinators or what uh, Ryan Walters would say after. And he was asked again about, you know, are these guys healthy who have been injured? Um, you know, maybe the main ones being uh, Garrett Miller, Gus Hartwig, and didn't have an immediate response to that. Um, asked about which transfers of. Kind of filled in some spots, or that he's impressed with, and he just says, "Everybody, um, what kind of defense are you running? You know, what do you call this? Is it a three-three-five? Is it a three-four? No, no, it's not. It's it's its own thing. Um, so yeah, right now we're just, you know, kind of getting more questions with the questions we're asking." Does that worry you at
1: all? I mean, if I take a step back, I say to myself, well, we got like 19, 20 transfers here going on. We've got all new stats. We've got completely new installs. Uh, Your leading uh, pass returner is one for one, (laughs) you know, like at one point you say, if I'm being reasonable here, it's maybe we're expecting a little bit too much out of the gate from them. Are you a little bit worried that maybe they haven't been able to do what they want or maybe behind schedule on doing what they want to do?
0: Well, they had to put a lot together in a short period of time. The spring really was about dumbing it down and just kind of getting guys used to the new system. Uh, now you're trying to mix and match a bunch of transfers, a bunch of freshmen who are going to be playing, and uh, guys that didn't get a whole lot of reps last year uh, for the most part. Uh, there are some veterans that are going to be a part of this, but just guys that haven't played together, and you're like, here's a new system that we're installing offensively, defensively, and with a bunch of guys who maybe haven't done this before. Um, that's going to be troublesome, but you know, camp starts August 2nd, and the first game, I believe, is like September 2nd, so you've got a, a month really to figure out a lot of the kinks that you didn't get done in the spring and the summer.
1: 37 days. Did you not pay attention to the giant graphic they put up here? Come on, buddy.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm pretty, uh, you know, just uh, on my own right here, walking around, um, starry-eyed somewhat, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty tunnel-visioned basically on Purdue, so I'm not, you know, focused on how many days anything is, how many uh, other coaches are here, how many all-conference returning players each of these programs have right now. It's just kind of, a, you know, my main thing coming in here was is Ross-Aid even going to be ready for a game when that season opens? So,
1: Yeah, that was uh, the question you fired off air. And uh, Ryan Walters, I, that was probably the most forthcoming answer that he had all day. Uh, what did uh, he have to say about those uh, renovations?
0: Yeah, well, if you go by Ross-Aid right now, it's, it's pretty much fenced off and you can't tell what's going on. It looks like there's a bunch of wood and uh, things there that leads you to believe that there's got to be a football game played here in a little over a month. And how is that going to happen? So I did ask. Are you going to be running out of the tiller tunnel when the season opens, um, because right now it 's a bunch of wooden boxes uh, blocking off your your view of that, and he has assured us that uh, everything is on schedule, minus one elevator in the south end zone that has never existed until this renovation, so uh, he thinks they can live you know a few more weeks without that.
1: So I guess if you want to get up to the second deck, it'll be your next giant leap. <laughs> yes, one giant <laughs> leap for Purdue. <laughs> We're talking with Sam King here. Uh, Big Ten Media Days going on. Um, You know, it's. I think I feel like it's been one of the most asked about questions of every coach and everybody that I kind of slide in here, try to listen on a few things. But, boy. If NIL isn't the first thing being asked here in most of these interviews and in most of these coaches, and, and, and most of them, I think Ryan Walters even talked to us, it's like the first thing that uh, athletes are asking about. Um, it's it's definitely been one of the hottest topics here this uh, this Big Ten Media Day.
0: Yeah, and it's just going to get worse and worse until there's more kind of ground rules laid by the NCAA, I think, because, you know, a lot of people were happy when it happened, but there was no, you know, blueprint on how this works. Obviously, what a thought is okay. Now it's just legalized cheating, and they're getting paid whatever they want. Donors can, you know, throw money. Um, you know, talk about Nigel Pack with Miami basketball getting paid what was it, eight hundred thousand dollars or something crazy like that. Um, you know, if, if you play football at a, a major program at, at a Texas, at a you know, USC, you, yeah, um, you know, it's it's really an unfair advantage where the rich just get richer because you can afford to bring in all those top players and. Um, rightfully so, as far as it's legal, every kid is going to ask, you know, what am I worth to you and probably uh, try to find out the best free agent deal in a, you know, a system where they can't have agents. And I guess they're probably relying on themselves or their parents to um, make the decision that's, uh, you know, assesses your value for what you're worth in, in a dollar amount more so than like immediate playing time or things like that.
1: What's the worst that could happen? It's not like uh, we don't have a history in collegiate sports of guys uh, and gals getting into uh, this business and and scheming money out of folks and all that kind of stuff. I I think that's the biggest uh, argument, probably from the schools as well, too, right now, is just to get some kind of guardrails and some kind of process together to where, like, if these kids are going to make the money that the the
0: hangers-ons and and, and those aren't scheming them out of their money and their rights. Yeah, um yeah. and I know that I'm going to meet with uh, Athletic Director Mike Bobinski tomorrow to ask what kind of plans Purdue has put in place to, um, you know, let these people capitalize. You know, a guy like Matt Ramos with wrestling last year, um, he had a hot name for a minute and, and capitalized when he could. But um, some of those kids, you know, don't ever get a chance to capitalize on it. Now, if you're a Zach edie and you're, you know, making the money that he is off of hockey jerseys, basketball jerseys, baseball jerseys, anything you can throw his picture on, um, you know. That's easy, but uh, there are some of these players who want to make money off their name and image and likeness that, um, you know, it's it's maybe not as easy, you know, the the three people here today. Hudson Card might be one that can do it uh, off of name and recognition, but um, some of the lesser-known players probably want to know, how can I maximize, you know, the amount of money I'm allowed to legally make here? it'll continue to be a process here as we talk with uh, Sam King
1: here at uh, Big Ten Media Days from the uh, Lafayette Journal and Courier. Uh, we're going to get into uh, a couple of the players here in a little bit. Uh, they'll have their gaggles going here with uh, Sanusi Kane, uh, Hudson Card, and uh, TJ Sheffield. Which one are you looking forward most
0: to talking to? and uh, What do you want to ask of these guys? Well, we got Hudson quite a bit in the spring. And, um, you know, even before they said this is going to be our starting quarterback, and I don't even know if that announcement has actually been made official yet, but the second he committed in December, you know, late December. He was a starting quarterback for this season, um, and no, and, and with the uh, deals he got to come here, uh, I think he's going to have a you know a horde of people around who haven't have questions that we've already been able to ask of him, um, and he's been out and about in the community at the boys and girls clubs, he's been at elementary schools, high schools, doing speaking engagements, and um, really embraced um, what his role is here. So um, Sanusi's a veteran. Uh, the guy that I probably want to talk to the most is T.J. Sheffield, and say. You know, what does Hudson Card look like from your vantage point? You're going to be the guy catching those passes or, um, you know, how do the the receivers kind of like the new quarterback? Um, I think that's a question that needs to be asked of somebody in the offense. And I really, um, you know, I'm kind of happy they brought two offensive players because with Ryan Walters being a defensive guy, I thought maybe this is an opportunity for Sanusi Kane and Cam Allen or, you know, Nick Scowardin or somebody like that to come here and talk about this defense but um, you know I think there's more questions right now about the offense because we know that the defense works with the right players in place and it sounds like through the transfer portal that's what they try to piece together Um, so I guess to answer your question with a long-winded answer it's probably T.J. Sheffield and most likely to talk to them the longest and ask the most questions too.
1: Uh, Last thing before I let you go here, on the way in, uh, they have all the Big Ten mannequins up here with all the uniforms. Couldn't help but notice there's a white stripe uh, back on the uh, Purdue helmet. I don't know if you noticed that, too, if you had any thoughts on that.
0: I did not even give it a second thought. I kind of walked through those and just, you know, oh, that's a nice touch to kind of welcome the media into the, you know, what he's referring to is there's a long tunnel when you get off the elevator to come onto the playing field that I believe is, uh, the tunnel that probably the Colts run out of um, when they come onto the field for game days, um, and it's lined with mannequins that have a, a football helmet and a jersey and pants on on each one of them. But I didn't.
1: The ones that were like you—you you always see the videos, and somebody's like really alive, and one of those things jump out and get you, and then you end up on like Big Ten Network.
0: Yeah, I was not uh, too worried that that was going to happen, but uh, I'm probably nice. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As I said, I've kind of been tunnel visioned here, so I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I just thought it was a nice touch to, to enter the stadium with. Sam King, I got a good ten minutes out of him, buddy. Uh, you are the
1: hardest working man in local media. I appreciate your time as always. Thank you very much. I'm sure. All right. Uh, it is the Hammer Down show, 1017 the Hammer, 1017Thammer.com with some breaking baseball news. No sooner did, did I bring up the uh, Spectre of Trading Lance Lynn to the Dodgers. Now we have full trade confirmation per ESPN sources. Jeff Bassad says the Dodgers get Lance Lynn and uh, also righty reliever Joe Kelly. The White Sox, in return, get right-handed starter Nick uh, Nastratini, who is in Double A, Another right-handed reliever in Jordan Leisure in A, And outfielder Trace Thompson, who was actually originally drafted by Chicago. That's the haul back for Lance Lynn. Whether or not those guys, I have not had a chance to look and see um, where those guys rank in the farm system, but know that uh, Lance Lynn is gone. He is now a Dodger. Not surprised. Trade deadline is the first, so there's still time for more havoc here. Uh, I did read, though, where they're not planning on moving Cease now. I mean, pretty hard to sustain losing three starting pitchers and go into a rebuild again. Still need an ace. All right, big thank you to Sam King, by the way, uh, for sitting down with me yesterday. A a lot of people did, and I'll I'll roll out those interviews, uh, some of those next week as well. Uh, I'm trying to get some of the stuff um, posted on Twitter as well, some of the short-form videos. Problem is I got a lot of long video, and I got to chop it up. And, uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just real, real long yesterday. I hit a wall by the time I got home. So I'm working on getting some of that stuff up here. Great stuff I got uh, yesterday from Sanusi Kane. TJ Sheffield asked him. I'm kidding. You know how they'll, they'll pop in there and ask uh, those questions. But. Uh, <laughs> Asked him who, would, who he'd picking to take the final shot, Kobe or LeBron, and then that set off something, so that was fun. Also had a chance to um, ask Sanusi why he decided to stay when so many others were looking to transfer out after Jeff Braum left. Uh, it was a great answer. And he also explained how he got to be the first one to uh, meet Coach Walters. If you watch the welcome video, he explains how that all happened and everything, too. So go follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jared on one zero one seven. That's J A R E D on one zero one seven. Uh, follow me on the, the platform formerly known as Twitter, and you can see those videos. And I got more up. I've got a uh, I, I got some time with some with uh, Hudson Card as well. So I got a couple Hudson Card videos to post. It's it's a wild day. Right? The players and the coaches go through uh, a lot. So like you get there uh, 9 a.m. Sometimes there are already players and coaches hitting radio row and stuff. Like I got there, PJ Flex already like running up and down the place, talking to everybody. But they've also got, you know, in the front half of the day before lunch, all the coaches have 15 minutes on the podium. Then there's lunch. Then there's a little bit of a breakout. There's probably like twelve, we like twelve uh, little small podiums where all the players will go to. There's a schedule, and then you know everybody can stop around and they're doing all these all at the same time. Coaches too are up there for some individual breakout stuff. And in the middle there, you're trying to talk to um, these guys if you can get them for some time. But they're they're in and out TV stuff. Um, you know, shooting for TV stuff. You know, of course, you got BTN. I believe NBC was probably doing some stuff too. They're shooting those little, you know, uh, little bumpers when you go in and out of the games and stuff, where they're like, you know, crushing footballs or spinning them or you know, winking at you. And they're shooting that stuff too. They got to be on with the Big Ten Network live, answering questions. The Revs in and Jake Butt and stuff. It's a busy day for a lot of them. So I try to take as much advantage as I can. I know uh, you go wanting to talk Purdue angles and stuff, but it's kind of nice when you don't have anything else that you can go by and and, and listen. Like uh, I sat and listened to um, Coach Loxley for a while over at Maryland. Didn't have a huge gathering after about like ten minutes, so I sat, I listened, asked some questions. Um, you no, know, I, I was interested in a lot of these. Uh, people I got to I asked about NIL a lot and you know how how do you go about fixing the what do you want to see fixed? And I will tell you this nobody seems to have an answer for how to do it. Because a lot of the answers that I got, like the one I got specific Coach Loxley's, you know, he's like you. He was concerned about, you know, the parity and the haves and the have nots and in, in creating that gap because perhaps Maryland is a have not in this situation. He'd like to see things like a like a so-called salary cap, I mean, players getting equal amounts and things. All, all things that I don't think are going to be realistic or going to get held up in court or are going to be able to be enforceable. I also thought it was interesting too, um, and, and this is a question I wish I would have asked earlier um, because it kind of escaped me for the second. But I did listen to somebody ask about you know these games are going to be shorter now because of the new first down rule. Well, clock's not going to stop on those first downs except, you know, towards the end of the game. And they'll bring it back for that. But as Loxley put it, you know, he was... it's like, listen, I've got all these guys that are in need of reps during the season. Game reps, and if now you're taking... I, I, he's like, I understand we're doing, like, stuff for TV and all that. I still contend they're doing this to... Uh, condition them to play more games, right? If you can take out 15 plays a game, you've eliminated over the course of a season a game, maybe do a game and a half. And if you're going to expand the college football playoff, you don't want to lose a regular season game with the revenue. That was my take on it, but um, he was worried about development of some of his younger guys. When you take out, you know, he says, we're, we're a program that tries to run 80-some-odd you know, plays a game, and if you're going to drop it down by 10 to 15, I got guys that are going to miss development time. Which was an interesting take on it that I hadn't really thought about, but eh, that's similar to an argument I used to make about Central Catholic and how they were able to be so good um, during some of those runs under Kevin O'Shea. Not just that the guys of talent and stuff, but... You know, when you're dominating in the first half and then your starters get to have a seat, uh, your, your JV, your freshman guys, all get varsity reps for a half every week. I mean, th- that's huge. And then they come in when it's time for them to take over. They're already ahead of the curve. So it's interesting talking to them. I try to talk to some Minnesota folks. Nobody wants to talk, talk, but people will talk. And, uh... You know, what do you think about the Fleck stuff? Most of them seem to feel like it's a nothing burger, that it may be um, one or two guys that still have an ax to grind from the Jerry Kill era that don't like Fleck. They pointed out that a lot of the stuff really isn't new talk either. I'm just, I'm wondering where all the I'm feeling elite today t-shirts are at. Does anybody know how to do the blockchain? I mean, let's get a Fleck coin going here. We'll cash out early. We'll make money. <laughs> a little surprised. We had a little bit of time with Coach Walters, just uh, about four or five of us. I think it was like me. It was um, uh, Tom Deanhart was there. Kelly and Bree from LFI were there asking. Sam was there. I think Mick Walker was there too. Will, I think I saw Will Fong in the little... Thing too, trying to talk with um, Coach Walters, and the theme of the day was set right there first thing in the morning. Is we did not get a lot in terms of details. And you heard Sam talk about it during uh, that interview there. You know, we tried to figure out what, you know, how do you compare this? What does it look like? What do you expect? Who goes where? Nothing. No details provided there. Uh, injuries, keeping injuries close to the vest. Is that, that makes sense to me. And I'm not following Coach Walters, who's not saying anything about this stuff, but I mean, they're being really, really tight lipped about this. And it makes all the sense in the world to me. I, I would be doing the same thing. And your greatest advantage right now in those first four games is the fact that n- nobody knows your personnel. Nobody knows what you want to run on offense, what you want to run on defense. Nobody knows what you're capable of running on offense or defense. And the longer you can keep that, the better off you're going to be. But as I asked Sam, and I asked a lot of the other people that I, uh, I, I talked to, um, I think there's another side of that token to where I look at what's being done here. And we're talking with 20-some-odd transfers, brand-new offense, brand-new defense, brand-new quarterback coaches, all that stuff. And we're trying to install all of that and, and get it up and running in a very short period of time where you can do that. We had the spring. We didn't get to watch anything in the spring, but when I we, they kick us all out for that stuff, we talked about this uh, on the show. You know, it's probably not anywhere close to a finished product. It probably still looks a little clunky. Guys are still learning things, still trying to get timing with each other. If you looked at it, I don't know that it would have looked fantastic. How much is that going to change between now? and uh or for sorry for then in august the second when they start practice and will they be able to get it up to speed by september the second that's that's a big question and that's a legitimate concern right there now i got faith in the staff i have faith in the personnel that uh they will figure out something especially on defense but i caution here i think we've gotten so excited with the names that have been coming through with the recruiting and everything. Uh, and you look at this number one ranked by somebody here, uh, strength of schedule. You know, careful where you're setting the bar at right now for Purdue. And I say that not because I don't have any faith in them. It's because I've seen how this fan base can react when they get very excited about something. And then the, res- the, the there's a loss that they don't expect, right? We flip out. We, we've done this with Basketball. Gone nuclear, nuclear? How are the heck? So I'm just saying, but that was a theme there. Hey, even I asked the Noosey Kane some more details on it. I couldn't, couldn't get nothing; just couldn't do it. They're being very tight-lipped, as they should, as they should. Um, also had a great. Uh, to, I got uh, a little sidebar with Tiffany Grimes. I had not really had a great chance to meet her yet. I had uh, seen her in passing, said hi and stuff, but I would not really had a chance to talk to her, talk to her. People tell me a lot of great things, and she is absolutely fantastic. In fact, when you go and you watch the Sanusi Kane video, like I said that I posted up, uh, he credits uh, her as being one of those reasons at still being at Purdue. You know the leadership named her uh, uh, specifically, and I had a great talk with her. Um, you know, just a, uh, it actually turned a lot to Coach Gerald's in women's basketball, but I also brought up the uh, you know I had heard some good things uh, uh, about what the front office thought about uh, Maggie Verzotti, the uh, new softball coach, it discussed her a little bit as well as as well as the football team and the enthusiasm and everything too, and that all started just because she wanted to come over and, and and thank a group of us for coming down to, to cover Purdue, which is really nice. She was absolutely fantastic. Um, during the uh, big podium with, uh, with with all the media there uh, for Ryan Walters, uh, I found myself kind of turned around, right? Because, you know, in Lucas Oil, there's those two big screens in the corner, right? And they've got it up there, and the, the, the podium is in front of one of those booths. So I turned around, and I actually watched the other one from behind the camera deck, Mike Bobinski was back there, right about the 50-yard line, around where the logo was at, and he was watching on the big screen there, and I kind of just took a few minutes to watch how he was reacting uh, to everything that Coach Walters was saying, what he was being asked, how he responded. I don't think I could... There was not a more cooler or calm, collected man in that building than Mike Bobinski yesterday which is great to see because that shows me the confidence in the decision they made. I I don't think that he was worried about the decision necessarily, but to see him with that kind of confidence and just to know that everything's going to be, you know, this is the right decision and everything's playing out fantastic, that's somewhat reassuring, is it not? I will tell you this, the Nebraska fans, uh, the Nebraska uh, uh, press people that cover, that football team are elated with Matt Rule. So much more personable personality than Scott Frost. They uh, He had a group of people around him for at least 30 minutes, and it never shrunk down. The only other guy I think that had that yesterday was probably Harbaugh. And he just comes off as a really—he comes off as like a regular Midwestern guy, which Scott Frost I don't think ever you know really did. He just always seemed cold and harsh. And one one photographer tell me on the Nebraska beat that you know he he's like it's it's not a surprise to go down to like a small dive bar, or local place, and it's a Friday, and he'll just he'll be at the bar having a beer, just sitting there normal guy they like that stuff there seems to be some enthusiasm there um i thought pj fleck handled his fleck coin question and all that stuff i thought he handled it pretty well I thought he answered it pretty well i uh, well, I, I said on wednesday i thought it was a little bit more of a nothing burger I'm not trying to minimize some kids getting hazed or anything like that, but what I read in that article—what was new, what was old—the article came across as more of like, "Hey, we got a couple of people with an axe to grind, and we want to say something." PJ Flex an odd duck, you know that 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 system and everything that they run up—it's not for everyone. Vote is not for everyone. I'm not going to defend it. It certainly isn't for me. I've always found him to be a bit corny. Well, I was kind of shocked when he admitted that the Fleckbank thing, he's like, oh, no, that was a thing we talked about. I was expecting him to go, I don't know what they're talking about. That's all made up nonsense. But he did a good job of kind of explaining everything in those allegations. You could tell he was a little bit perturbed about it. He laid out everything that Minnesota has. In order for these guys to report any kind of hazing or anything like that, six different avenues. Plus, they'll have the athletic director's phone number. I thought he handled that. but for for as much grief as we, you know we give him, I will say that he handled that fairly well. Certainly better than anybody Northwestern's handling anything right now, Oh, with their press stock. All right, uh, we're gonna take one final break. We'll come back. Hey, we'll wrap it up next. It's the Hammer down Show. And we'll- Big thank you to guys, uh, everybody, for tuning in this week. Don't forget, if you missed anything, you can always check us out on Spotify. Spotify's a great place. Uh, and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all great places uh, to catch the shows. Uh, in case you missed them, Kyle filling in yesterday. It was an honor for me to be able to call into my own radio show. is <laughs> a little bit odd. Uh, still fun, though, uh, talking with Kyle here. So uh, kind of want to get into a few things that we may have missed. Oh, a little slow Friday on that end, but... Uh, how about this? MLB attendance is up 9% this season. The highest increase in attendance since uh, we went through uh, the juice balls in the home run race in 98. I, I really didn't think the shortened games were going to have this big of an impact. But clearly, it's starting to. Now. When it's all said and done, I'd like to hear if this has been enough to offset the time. Because uh, the one downside, if you are an owner, to shortening up these games was that people had less time to spend money in the stadiums. But if you're increasing attendance enough... Obviously, makes up for that, right? And you also create more fans who go out and buy more tickets, and then they also buy merchandise and all that stuff, and it you know tends to offset those things. So it'll be interesting to see when the year-end numbers do come in. But that's pretty good. Uh, we are less than 200 days away from the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. And welcome to Las Vegas, the first ever officially licensed NFL-themed slot machines that will hit this year. Here's the deal. And they're going to be there. You don't pick anybody else in that division. You don't pick Kansas. City Because you can pick your team. You have the logo in there. Don't pick, don't pick anybody else at the Vision. It's gonna take your money. It's gonna take your money regardless. Hey, I'm out of time. I'll see you guys back here on Monday, the Hammer Down Show. Haley's Lock Safe and Key has been keeping your stuff safe since 1969 and is a proud dealer of quality safes from Browning. And right now you can save up to $350 on quality 2023 safes from Browning. But hurry, these special rebates on Browning Safes end July 31st. Haley's Lock Safe and Key, 415 North Earl Avenue in Lafayette. At a 200 West Spring Street in Crawfordsville. That's Haley. Haley's lock, safe and key.